Well, good morning, Golden Corner Church. How are y'all doing? Awesome. Y'all feeling as good as I am today? Fired up, ready to go. Everybody's awake. Everybody had a coffee, had some donuts, right? Everybody good, ready? Y'all excited to be here this morning? I am too. I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk about marriage again today, one of my favorite topics. Uh, we are on part two of a series we're calling Marriage by Design. If you're joining us. Thank you to everybody who's watching online as well. Uh, Last week, I'm going to kind of try to do my best to catch us all up. Last week, we discovered in God's design for marriage, the first thing he wants to do is he wants to partner us. Do y'all remember this? Shake your heads yes if you remember it. Good. Y'all going to get involved this morning. God's design for marriage begins when he, God, partners us up. If you remember, everything we're going to talk about is going to be based out of Genesis. God's, God made man, and then he saw that it wasn't good for him to be alone. So then he made a woman from Adam's rib. And then it says this, he joined the two of them together. The words actually are, two were united into one. Meaning that these two people were no longer two individuals, but they became one entity, living life together. God saw that it was better if they were together. The same is still true today. God still wants to be in charge of partnering us. Y'all remember that? God wants to be in charge of partnering us. He wants to lead us to our partners. And I challenged all of you single people to allow God to lead you to your partner. And then I talked to you married folk and I said, I want want you to allow God to lead you in joining the two of you together, showing you what it means to live in harmony and in unity together. That's what he's going to do. I uh, thought a lot about this week, and I thought, a lot, I thought about all of you a lot this week because I, I issued a challenge at the end of that message. I said, okay, married folk, if you want God to be leading you, then how do you do that? How do you get started? And there's obviously a lot of things that you can do as a couple to make sure that God is leading you, but I challenge you to do one thing. Do you all remember what it was? To pray together. And I saw your fear <laughs> just, just erupt out of your faces, out of a lot of you. I've talked to some people this week. But I want to tell you something. That is, in my opinion, the single greatest thing that you can make sure, uh, that you can do to make sure that God is leading you in your marriage is for you to pray for one another. This is how I challenged you. I said, hey, man, take 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes, whatever you're comfortable with, and you'll grow in that. But just in passing, you know, work schedules, life, whatever, just grab your spouse, embrace them, hold their hands, and just pray for them. You remember that? Just pray for them. Just talk to God about what you want to see God do in their life, how you want to see God use them, uh, maybe some work stuff that they've got going on or some family stuff they've got going on. Just pray for them. The parents that they're being to your children, just pray for them. You know, And you can start with just God, keep them safe, but just pray for them. I'm telling you, that is the single greatest thing that you can do to ensure that God is leading you, that God is the one that's partnering you up. Everybody caught up? Everybody caught up online? Okay, here we go. Today we're going to talk about the next piece of God's design, but before I get to dragging out that old ball and chain this morning, uh, I want to say this. I'm going to really be addressing married couples this morning, but don't tune me out if you're single because I think there's a lot of value here for you as well, or any situation that you may find yourself in. I think there's a lot of value, but we're going to focus on the married couples here. Uh, I would like to know something about all of you. If you're married, 
whether your spouse are here is not, your spouse is here or not, I want to challenge you just real quick to get a piece of paper and a sharpie. There's a couple. There, there's a few under each row. One of, just one of you can do it if you're comfortable with that, or just grab a piece of paper and a sharpie. We're going to do a little project right here. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to write your answer in in one word, a couple of words, big bold, so that I can read them from here. I have pretty good eyesight, but but let's help me out. Here's the question. Why did you marry your spouse? Okay, why did you marry your spouse? All right, hang on, pause, pause, pause. Hold your pens up real quick. Hold your pens up if you got the pens. Okay, good. Just hold it up. Listen to me. I don't want you to write some spiritual answer because you're in church. Okay, because I know what you're going to be. Because God ordained this. You know, don't do that. Okay, I want you to go back in time. I want you to remember where you were, whether it was 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever. And I, I just want you to go back in time. And I want you to have this piece of paper in your front of you. And I want you to just think who you were way back when, why you chose this person, why did you marry your spouse. I'm going to try to help you out with the mood a little bit. Everybody ready? Here we go. Ready, set, go. <laughs> This shouldn't take you that long, okay? Celine, she's good, man. She's good. All right, let's stop the music. Stop the music. That's enough time. All right, a couple of words. Big, bold letters where I can read it, okay, from here. Y'all, y'all still, I can't read any of them. Somebody hold it up. Okay, Pepsi, okay? I get it. Kindness, kind, values, thank you. Love, just love, I like it. Funny, thank you, Kate. Thank you. All right. Hot. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, bro. All right. Anything? Good. God said so. So we got some spiritual people. Okay. You got me. I saw you got me. I got love it. All right. Money. Okay. That's fine too, I guess. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Put them down. That's good. I see them. They're good. They're good. I asked a lot of people this week this question as well, just trying to get answers. And this is, and I'm telling you, I saw a lot of these things here. Happiness, we enjoy being together. Security, they were, she was beautiful, he was hot, whatever. Um, the way they treated you, money. They asked me, I said, yeah, a moment of bad judgment, you know. I, I heard a lot of different answers this week. And here's what I realized is we all have some reasons why we believe we chose our partner, right? We all have some reasons we believe why we're married. And the why in this partnership, everybody with me? The why in this partnership is incredibly important. The why we are together, the why this marriage exists, that is the foundation. I want to make sure you understand. When I ask you why, that is the foundation that you've chosen. Your why is the foundation that you've chosen. It's the why that you believe in. It's the why that keeps us going. There's an author. His name is Simon Sinek. And, and, and uh, I've enjoyed him a lot over the last couple of years. And he has a book that's called Start With Why. And he says something in regard to organizations that I believe is incredibly true of marriage. And so I changed one of his quotes to be about marriage rather than organizations. And this is what it says. It says, all marriages start with why. 
but only the great ones keep their why clear year after year. Did you hear that? All marriages start with why, but only the great ones keep their why clear year after year. Now, looking at our whys, if that's the truth, I noticed something. What happens if our whys suddenly no longer exist? What happens if our whys, the why that we believe in, disappears? What happens if that why goes away? Have you ever thought about that? One thing's for certain, many of, the lists, many of the reasons that I saw, they were great, and I told you to go back to when you were married, so I know maybe you're wiser now, but I told you to go back, and many of the people that I asked this week, one thing is for certain, the reasons that I was told why, many of the reasons, they fluctuate, or they change altogether over the course of your marriage. As a matter, this is what I'm saying, if you're married to be happy, what happens when the happy goes away? If you're married because of how great they treat you, what happens when they fail you? If you're married because they're beautiful, what happens when their beauty fades? If you're married because they're hot, what, if, what happens when they cool? If you married because they had money, what happens when they go bankrupt? You see what I'm saying, guys? If you married because you just had a moment of bad judgment, what happens when your judgment is better? What happens when your spouse is no longer funny or charming? What happens if they're just not as great as they used to be? What happens when all of the whys that we have, which I want to point out, are based on who they are, what they did for you, or what they do for you? What happens when those whys are no longer true? You know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. When those whys no longer exist, when they disappear, when they're no longer true, I want to tell you what happens is you find yourself stopping and going, why on earth am I married to this person? Right? Even more so, what happens, I, I did this this week. I asked a couple of couples, why are you married? And then I went and asked the other person, why are you married? And you know what I noticed? Their answers were different. And I, I saw in here some couples that answered, and their answers were also different. And I bet if I were to ask all of you to write it, and you write on one side of the paper, and you write on the other side of the paper, when we flipped it, you would see that they're different. So what happens when yours and your spouse's why aren't the same? In the Bible, Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says this, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? This is the question. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? The answer is no. So, Golden Corner Church, how would you like to make sure this morning, how would you like to make sure as we study God's design for marriage, how would you like to make sure that your why stands the test of time? Are you interested in that? How would you like to make sure that yours and your spouse's why is in fact the same? Are you all interested? I'll take an audible answer. Okay, good. If you want to, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to show you something that I believe the Bible shares with us that can help us with our whys. 
Verse 27 is one I read to you last week. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I explained that to you guys last week. In verse 28, then it says this. This is the very next verse. You ready? Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Stop. Did you notice something in this scripture? This is quick, guys. I'm getting to my point quick right here. Did you notice anything in this scripture? This is God's message to mankind, to this man and woman, the first two people that he's created. And his message in the very beginning of of everything is this. I have something for you to do. Do you see that? He didn't, look, what'd he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Go make y'all some babies, okay? Don't y'all get too fired up by that. <laughs> Fill the earth and govern it. Here's what he's saying. I want you to take care of this world. I want you to take care of all of these things that I've given you, all of these animals and the planet. That's what I want you to do. So if you look, look closely, God didn't put people together just for their own benefit. He didn't just put Adam and Eve together and say, all right, y'all go have some fun and turn around and walk away. What did he do? He said, I have something for you to do. I have a purpose for you. God gave them direction. He put Adam and Eve together for a reason. And that is what you have to see first and foremost. God wanted to be in charge of partnering us, but God also purposed us. Do you see it? God purposed us. So he partnered us, and he purposed us. God wanted to give these two people, Adam and Eve, a why. He had a purpose in mind for this relationship. In Genesis, we discover from the beginning there was more to being a married couple than just relational bliss, just cohabitating, even building a life, even sharing bank accounts or going grocery shopping together. There was a purpose. God put us together because it was good for us, but then God also had a plan for us and something for us to do. In Genesis, it began, fill the earth and govern it, care for the earth and all the living things we were given. So everybody see that. Shake your heads yes if you see that. God had a why, a purpose for the marriages of the world. But here's the beautiful thing. God didn't stop purposing us or sharing his purpose with us, sharing our why with us in Genesis. It it, it didn't stop at fill the earth and govern it. As a matter of fact, if we travel through the Bible and continue through the Old Testament, what you will discover is that there are hundreds of references to marriage and being married and what it looks like and what happens. There's hundreds of references. Uh, So God is continuing to share with us this purpose for marriage, but also isn't difficult to see if you go and you read through the Bible and look at the references to marriage that we humans skewed marriage, abused marriage, and jeopardized God's design for marriage basically since the beginning. But following Jesus coming to earth and him teaching us, we discovered even more about our why in marriage. We discovered what God wanted us to do, and Jesus shared it with us. And he shared it with his disciples and the people that followed him. 
and they shared it with us in God's Word. If you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read where the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church of Ephesus, and he's sharing some incredible information, really earth-shattering information about God's purpose for marriage. So if you have your Bibles, please turn in them to Ephesians chapter 5 because I'm going to read this because it's very important that we read through it together. Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody ready? We're going to start at verse 21. This is what it says, and, and Paul is addressing, and he's addressing these Christians, the people in the church of Ephesus. And so he says, And further, submit to one another out of a, out of a reverence for Christ. First, in his address to Christian husbands and wives, and, and just Christians in general, Paul expresses something fervently that Jesus asked of his followers. Do you know what it was? Because we love and because we respect Christ, we are encouraged to put all others before ourselves. You see this? That's what he's saying. When he says the word submit, that's what he's saying. I want you to put them ahead of yourself. I want you to put their needs ahead of yourself. That is the call of a Christ follower. Submit yourselves to serving others the best that you possibly can. That is a bar. I want you to understand when Paul's teaching right here, this is the bar that he is setting for Christians. I want all Christians to submit to one another, serving others, putting others' needs in front of each other. Right? So Paul sets that up, he says that, and then he turns his attention specifically to husbands and wives. Everybody with me? So we're going to read again in verse 22. We're going to pick it up. Here we go. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Pause. Now I know this can be a touchy topic. So before you wives want to lynch me, okay, and before you husbands think I have the power, let's make sure we understand the implications of this scripture. Because I want to say this. The headship of husbands has been abused. You can see it throughout the Bible. It's been abused. It's been neglected. And it has been misconstrued to mean things that it doesn't mean. Everybody with me? So let's make sure we understand what this scripture is saying. The de this declaration of the husband's leadership in the marriage relationship, first of all, does not signify an inequality or an inferiority for the wives. Everybody with me? Shake your heads yes if you hear me. Okay. I, I, I shared repeatedly, repeatedly with you last week how in God's design for marriage, the husband and the wife are equal in value and in quality, and in essence of God. You understand? We're told that repeatedly in the Bible. We're also told repeatedly in the Bible using exactly the same word for submit. I want to say, I want to share this. Make sure you hear this. Using exactly the same word for submit that Jesus submitted to God the Father. Now, Jesus submitting to God the Father does not signify an inferiority for Jesus, right? Jesus is God in the flesh. 
Absolutely not. Jesus' submission to God was not an indication of inferiority. On the contrary, it was to allow the Father to lead him as was the design of the Trinity. As was the design of the Trinity. In the same way, a wife's recognition of her husband's leadership role isn't an indication of some backwards, backdated masculinity. It's a recognition of your husband's role in the design of marriage. Everybody with me? Your husband, this is what I'm saying, wives. Your husband is supposed to lead your family with God leading him. That's the design. And that is so important. With God leading him. Now, let me say this. Because I talked to a lot of wives this week. And I was asked this question. Tim, well, what am I supposed to do? And this breaks my heart. What am I supposed to do when my husband, he's not following God. And he's not trying to lead us. What am I supposed to do? This would be my word. This is just personal from me. You keep doing what you're doing. If you're here and you're listening to these messages and you're trying to lead yourself to Christ, you're trying to walk your walk with Christ and you're leading your children, they're back here in the back and they're, you're, you're talking to them about Jesus, I want to tell you something. You keep doing what you're doing. However, don't grow bitter. You make sure that you know as a wife that your main responsibility too is to be praying that your husband will become the man that God wants him to be. Is that straight enough? You keep praying for him. We good? All right, for husbands, this leadership responsibility is not to show how powerful you are. It signifies a responsibility on every team or every group, whether declared or not. And you can see this if you've ever worked on a team or in a group. Someone ends up with the leadership responsibilities, meaning they are entrusted to lead and they're entrusted to answer for what is happening in that team. In God's design for marriage, the husband is held to that standard. And this is noted often in the Bible. And it can be seen Right here with the first couple, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. And then they hid from God. And when God came looking for them in the garden, and God knew where they were because we know He's God, He knew where they were. Do you know what the words came out of His mouth? Adam, where are you? Not where are y'all. Adam, where are you? Now I want to point this out. Both paid consequences for their sin. Adam and Eve both had consequences for their sin, but in this scenario, Adam was responsible to answer to God for what the family had done. You understand? He also passed the buck, which is a whole thing we'll get to next week. So hopefully we've addressed this and, and we've addressed anything that can impede our understanding of what this scripture is saying. So let's read it again. Ready? For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Now remember, this whole thing started out, put everybody ahead of yourself. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. 
As he, it, it, he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should it submit to your husbands in everything. Now, if I had to, to say this in, in as clear a way as possible, in a simple way as possible, this is how I would describe this. Wives, everybody, wives listening to me, love your husbands like the church loves Jesus. That's what he's saying. Wives, I want you to love your wives like the church loves Jesus. I want you to put him ahead of yourself. I want you to put his needs ahead of your own. Wives, when someone looks at how you love their, your husband, when someone looks at how you love your husband, they should see such respect, such admiration, such adoration and love that they now see how the church loves Jesus. You with me? When they look at how you love your husband, they should see such respect and such love and such care that they see how the church loves Jesus. You got it? Husbands, let's move on to you. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love, listen to this, husbands, as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually is showing love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and he cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Husbands, if I had to say this in the most clear, most simple way possible, and i got to give Ronnie Hodge for this because Ronnie Hodge credit for this. I should have the first time because this is a Ronnie Hodge statement. Husbands, we are to love our wives the way Jesus loves the church. You are supposed to love your wives, husbands, the way Jesus loves the church. The way he loves you. You understand this? You're supposed to love her so sacrificially. Placing her and her needs ahead of your own. You should serve her at every opportunity. Remember who Jesus, think about who Jesus was. Seeking to place her above yourself just like Jesus did for us. You're to love her in every way. Look at this. You're supposed to love her in every way more than yourself, more than your hobbies, more than your career, more than the junk, more than the boat. You're supposed to love her more than all of that stuff. And what she thinks and what she needs is supposed to be most important to you. She's supposed to be your primary confidant, your trusted advisor. You're supposed to look to God and hear from Him. Go to her. She's supposed to be looking to God. And you're supposed to trust her. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's how you're supposed to love her. Verse 31, it says this, As the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So he's quoting where we've been in Genesis. Everybody with me? He's quoting Genesis. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, I love this. I love this statement because I think it just it's what we have to hear. It says, this is a great mystery. Listen. But he's not saying like this isn't, what, this is what he's saying. I'm revealing something new to you. That's what he's saying. It's a great mystery. I'm revealing something new to you about 
marriage. It's a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. In this scripture, God is revealing something about his design for marriage that hasn't been revealed until this moment right here. God partnered us for a purpose, and that purpose is for marriage to be a living, breathing example of the loving, sacrificial, and submitting relationship between Jesus and his people. Between Christ and the church. That's what marriage is supposed to be. Marriage is supposed to be an illustration of that love relationship between Jesus and his people. Are y'all listening to me? John, there should have been an amen in there somewhere for that. John 13, 35 has been like my verse for the year. It has been my verse. I've used it so many times. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, right? Y'all have heard me use it several times now. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Can you think of another relationship that is more important, where it should be more evident, where it should be more visible, who Jesus is and how he loves and how we love him than the marriage relationship? When people look at how we love one another as husbands and wives, they should see how Jesus loves his people and how his people love Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. Husbands, when people look at how you love your wife, they should see how Jesus loves his people. Wives, when outsiders and people are watching the way you love your husbands, They're supposed to see the way we love Jesus. That's how this is supposed to work. Our why, our purpose, is to be a visual reminder of the results of the gospel. It's meant to be first. Marriage is meant to be first in earthly relationships that draws other people towards Jesus. You with me? Your marriage is meant to be your witness, lived out for others to see. When you were married, you weren't just married for your own benefit. You were actually married as an evangelistic undertaking. How churchy can I be? An evangelistic undertaking, that's what it was. Your marriage is meant to be a picture of the gospel. In our lives, and particularly in our marriages, the calling is to reflect the love of Christ. So your why should be different than what you thought. What if your why was built on God's purpose for marriage rather than what you think it should be? What if your why wasn't that you were happy all the time? Or y'all had fun together? Or they make you laugh? Or it's safe and it's secure? Or whatever other reasons we can muster? What if our purpose in marriage was the one God designed? You know what I think would happen? I believe you'd end up with a marriage that was great year after year. If somehow, some way, in God's design, we could, husbands knew that this was their why and this was their purpose, and wives knew that this was their why and this was their purpose, I want to tell you something. You would end up with a marriage that was unstoppable. You would end up with a marriage that stands the test of time. 
you would end up with a marriage that makes a lasting difference in the world around it. That's what you would end up with. You say, Tim, have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen this in action? I have. I have. And I could stand up here forever and name couples that I believe I've seen this in. Ronnie and Lynn, for one. Mark and Sheila Bagwell, for another. People that understood that their why and their why is wrapped up in Jesus and who Jesus is and how he loves us and how we love him. That's what I've seen. Dick and Nancy Schaefer. I have seen this played out over and over and over. And I tell you, I've seen it enough and I've seen the repercussions of a marriage like that so much that it has made me want that with every ounce of my being. And it's something Brittany and I strive for because we want a marriage that's like that. That's what we want. We want the call of Christ to be at the forefront of our marriage. Now, does that mean it's without difficulty? Absolutely not. She's married to me. Thank you, baby. Does that mean it's going to be perfect? Absolutely not. We're humans. We're imperfect. We're not going to do it perfectly. But I'm telling you, if you could just figure out how to make sure your why was the same, you wouldn't believe the difference it would make. Not just the same. You make sure your why is this. Husbands, I want you to do this. I want you to answer that question. If you, husbands, if you wrote on a paper, I want you to use it. Why are you married to her? You're not married to her because something really about her or about what she could do for you. All the ways she can make you happy. You're married to her so that you can love her the way Jesus loves you. That's what I want you to write on that paper. I'm married to her so that I can love her the way Jesus loves me. Period. That's your why. Wives, if you wrote on a piece of paper, I want you to write on it. On the other side or whatever, I want you to write this. You're not married to him because of all he can do for you or, or how great he makes you feel or, or anything like that. You're married to him so that you can love him the way we're supposed to love Jesus. That's the answer. That's your why. And that is your purpose. That's the truth. I want to challenge you to do something. You guys know that I can't hardly teach without, without giving you a purpose. Or giving you, giving you a purpose. Giving you something to do. This is what I want to challenge you to do. Have a conversation with your spouse about this if you can. Talk about this. Talk about your why. Maybe you don't need to address them and what they're going to do. You just talk about what you're wanting to do differently. How you're wanting to love them more, like Jesus loves you, or like we love Jesus, and you just describe that to them. You just, you just start making a list, talking to them about, I'm going to try to do this differently. I'm going to try to place your needs ahead of my own. Because I'm telling you, once you get into the framework of it, once you start really thinking about it, you start seeing these little glimpses, and, and you ask yourself, is that, really, is that really me showing them the love like I'm supposed to? Is that really us living out the gospel like we're supposed to? So I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you just to have a conversation at some point about your marriage and about your why. Sound good?
Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every single person that's here. I thank you for the marriages that I see in this church displayed in front of me. And I could look around this room right here and I could point at couple after couple where I see that, where I see this in action. I see them loving one another the way that, that you love us. I see them loving one another the way we love you. And I just see that relationship played out for all of us to see. And God, I am so very thankful for that. I'm so moved by that. But this is my prayer. I know there are couples here. And that's not where they're at. This is my prayer. I pray for good conversation. I pray for changing hearts. I pray that you will move them to understand one another and to see this in action. Because the bottom line is this. If we, if we want to follow you, if we want you in charge of our marriage, we want you in charge, then we need to let you lead us in partnering us up. We need to let you lead us in purposing us. So my prayer is for good conversation, for productive conversation, compassionate conversation, and loving. I'm telling you, if we go with this God and we're talking about them and how they should love us different, we're already doing it wrong because our purpose isn't about what they're doing for us. Our purpose is about what we are going to do for them, how we're going to love them. So I pray that we approach those conversations that way. And I pray that you make them fruitful. For those here, God, who may be don't have the benefit of this relationship right now. I pray for them. I pray for where they're at and their hearts. And this is my prayer. No matter what challenges they may be facing or loneliness they may be feeling or, or even just the challenges that they feel, I don't want them to feel alone. I want them to feel you. And I want them to know how loved they are and how cherished they are and how cared for they are by you. Because, God, this is what I know. No matter what gaps we got in our life, no matter what holes we got in our life, you can feel every single one of them. And I pray that you do that. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for the way you love each and every one of us. Lead this church. Help us to be the husbands and wives you want us to be. Help us to live marriage in your design. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Hey, guys, don't forget to sign up for Life Group if you want to do that. We love you very much. Have a great week. We'll see you.